The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello, hello, hello to our dope village. It's Julie Fowdy. With me as always, Lynn Zowie. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Julie. Hey, did you watch the ESPYs? Because that was an amazing two hours. Couldn't agree more. I'd say arguably two of the best hours I've ever seen on ESPN. Same reaction. Like, I was so proud. I kept going, oh my gosh, we are bringing it tonight. And get this, our guest today had a cameo in the ESPYs in yes, she did. a segment where she was showing off her Olympic medals. Yep, and we're talking with the Jackie Joyner Kersey on this episode. There are goats, Lynn, and then there are goats. Jackie was named the greatest female athlete of the 20th century. Get that. I'll say it again. Jackie was named the greatest female athlete of the 20th century by Sports Illustrated. She competed in four Olympics in the heptathlon and long jump. She won six medals, including three gold, one silver, and two bronze. She grew up in East St. Louis, and after her career in track and field was over, she opened the Jackie Joyner Kersey Community Center in her hometown, which we will talk about. She was also a founding athlete that helped launch the wonderful nonprofit Athletes for Hope. And I know it's wonderful as I sit on their board. So get comfortable listening. It's Jackie Joyner Kersey. Laughter Permitted is brought to you by Ally. A lot of our listeners know that Lynn and I are customers of Ally, and Ally will tell you that the first step of taking control of your finances is making a baseline budget. They actually have online tools and products to help you do that. So Jules, how do people get started? Thank you for asking, Lynn. You can begin by looking through your statements from the last three months And you identify your basic needs, meaning these can be necessities like gas, rent, groceries, car payments. And then you compare those costs to your overall spending and see if you might be able to save some cash. I love that. Where can we learn more about planning for our futures? It's easy. Go to ally.com. Ally, do it right. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Cliff Bar and Company has been fueling athletes for almost 30 years with their Cliff and Luna Bars, and this is super cool. Even during a time when there are no live sports, Cliff and Luna continue to support female athletes. In fact, right now they're featuring awesome women on their new limited edition Cliff Bar packaging, including soccer star Megan Rapino, tennis legend Venus Williams, surfer Lakey Peterson, skateboarder Jordan Barrett, climber Ashima Shireshi, and mountain biker Katarina Nash. Check out these awesome new packages for yourself in store or online at cliffbar.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling alright, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. sunshine how you doing gosh i miss that laugh really i do i need that laugh in my life every day (laughs) get out of here (laughs) hey by the way you look really good on them espies last night yeah (laughs) i didn't get to see it because i was like oh i don't know how they're going to do it so i asked my cousin i said how was it (laughs) yeah 
You were, oh. I think you were the first, Lynn, yeah. she was yeah. the first Olympian on, right? Right. Because they, yeah, they told me, I was like, oh, really? I'm like, okay. All right, Jack, as we do to start the podcast and get the party started, can you set the scene? So, uh, hey, everyone, this is Jackie Joanna Kersey, Olympic <laughs> champion, and coming to you from the great city of St. Louis, Missouri. Woo-woo! <laughs> the crowd goes crazy! Yeah, no. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Jack, what a time we are living in right now. What has the last month been like for you? Wow, the last month. Uh, oh, so much has transpired from the standpoint of, of it's like an awakening to see what has happened with uh, dealing with a virus, COVID-19, then uh, seeing what happened with George Floyd and that whole situation but from the standpoint of just seeing how every, I want to say, young person protesting mm-hmm. like you've never seen before for social justice, you know, some reform, want to see change, and a generation that, uh, that's getting it and going to see and help to see some reforms and see some changes while understanding that Got a vote. Does it feel different? Does it feel sustainable this time? When you say sustainable this time, there is a difference because you're seeing people from all different backgrounds come together. And, you know, you talk about Black Lives Matter and, and why that's so, so important. And it's important to me because it means that you see me, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you understand some of the the challenges or or some of the struggles, you know, and, but then also to be able to have a conversation why I might feel a certain way versus the way you might feel, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, from that standpoint that I, I do feel it could be sustainable because you got people when you, when I look out there and see a sea of folks from different backgrounds Mm -hmm. and all fighting for change, you know, and, and, and to me, that that's the beginning. But then it has to be sustainable beyond uh, right. the weeks and the months. And it might take years, but it, it has to continue to be in the forefront. Mm-hmm. You grew up in a, a Black community in East St. Louis. Describe what that community is like and what your childhood was like, if you would. So uh, growing up in East St. Louis, uh, predominantly black, you know, city, uh, uh, what I call an underserved city, living in a community where food desert, where you don't really have a a local grocery store you could go to, you know, and early on when I was younger, didn't quite understand what all that meant. Just, you know, my mother and father and grandmother and them did the best they they could, but uh, not realizing that when you live in that type of environment that uh, when you go to the regular grocery store, milk might be one cost, but then at the local, our local grocery store, which is a confectionery, it might be uh, three times more, you know? Mm. And so, but growing up, 
uh, in a community where there's a lot of uh, people inspiring you to be the best that you can be. You know, th- there were challenges, but uh, everyone was always trying to encourage you to be the best that you could be. Can you tell us about your mom and dad? I know that your mom played a big role in your life. Yes. Yeah, so my, my mother and father were teenagers when my brother Al, who is the oldest, and they were 14 and 16. And we lived with my great grandmother and that uh, I was, I'm the oldest girl. Then I have two younger sisters and, but my mother and father, uh, my mother didn't finish high school. And, but my dad, because he, he was on the sports team, but they didn't understand why he would miss a lot of days in practice because he was trying to raise a family. They did not Mm -hmm. know that. And my mother, who I thought was extremely strict, you know, made me read the local newspaper to understand what was happening in the community. I think my mother, you know, and father still disciplined, you know, being respectful and, and, and a commitment to hard work. And so being able to understand that as a young person. So everything that I have tried to achieve, I try to achieve it by setting goals and working hard and, and understanding that there is still more work to be done. You founded your Jackie Joyner Foundation to help the kids in East St. Louis after your amazing career. And then not only that, you raised millions of dollars to build your community center for kids in 2001 as well. And that's the Jackie Joyner Community Center in East St. Louis. Why did you build that, Jackie? Why not, you know, just (laughs) you have this amazing career and you go and do God's work, really. You're an angel. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. I don't see myself as an angel. I I really do believe that growing up in East St. Louis and being exposed to a community center uh, really I didn't know at that time, set me on the path of being able to set goals, introduced to sports, uh, introduced to a librarian who worked in the library, who was also one of my dance instructors. And so as an early nine-year-old, 10-year-old, wow, the difference it made in my life. And so by the time I had turned 18 and went off to school and unfortunately ended up losing my mom and unexpectedly. And then I wanted to go to a place where I knew that they would embrace me and show me so much love was the community center. Mm -hmm. And I did not know that the community center had been shut down. So I was greeted with padlocks on the door. And so in my mind, I started thinking, where do the young people go? And at this time, I'm 18 years of age and I didn't know I would need money to open that center. So I was just thinking about, I got to open up a center because it kept us off the streets kept us in structured programming. It allowed you to uh, set goals and, you know, push yourself and learn respect, you know, see what an office would look like because the the center where the recreation portion was, you had an atrium that separated where the office were, and then they had classrooms. So I just started thinking about, you know, early on, and I knew that I wanted to try to reopen that center, but Again, I didn't know I needed money to do that, but the thought never escaped me. And so mm-hmm. I made my first Olympic team in 84, then went back to school, finished up. And then 88, uh, after winning a uh, double gold in Seoul, 
So again, the thought was there, but then I said, I don't need a building to help people. So I just started working with my church, the elementary school. Uh, I was part of the honor society, you know, just different organizations I had been involved with the uh, summer track program with coach Nino for you know, still running. And then it wasn't until eight years later the I was uh, presented an idea, uh, do I still want a center and put a group of us together? We raised the fund. We broke ground in 96. We opened a Jackie Joyner Kersey Center in 2000. And the whole, you know, reason around it is to, is what we're talking about today is to give young people uh, an opportunity because most of the kids that grew up in East St. Louis, they want to get out. And I, I don't mind them wanting to get out, but I also want them to find a way to come back and give back. Mm. In researching your background, I did come across that East St. Louis has been called the most dangerous city mm. in the country at times. I'm sure you're aware of, and I'm sure something that you'd like to see change. And the community center is certainly a big part of seeing that change happen and it seems you go way beyond providing a place for kids to just play sports. <laughs> yes. And, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting that you bring up about uh, East St. Louis at one time, the most dangerous city, you know, in the country. Because when I was at school, one of my good friends was taking a sociology class and they were talking about East St. Louis. And so she couldn't wait to run up to me and share with me about, oh, Jackie, I heard about your, your where you from? And I said, well, what is it? Oh, they say it's the most dangerous place in the nation. I'm like, I'm not sure. You thought she was going to say something really glamorous and yes, nice. And she's like, she said, we talked about it. But, you know, that's why I do the work that I do. And it's, it's using sports as a hook to get our kids mm-hmm. in the door. But trying to really teach them life skills, uh, making sure that every kid that comes to our center can read at grade level, you know, putting them in a position where they can win in life. That's my uh, curriculum and our signature program, you know, so taking them through these life skills that they too can start building their own resume on how they can make a difference in their own lives, have impact for their family or see their family grow, but also uh, giving back, you know, and, and now we dealing in a, an environment right now where so much reform and understanding and being aware of when we talk about police brutality, but Mm -hmm. then also how some policemen can help, you know, and how policemen and firemen and all them do make a difference because some of them are on the front line, you know, so it's, we're in a real great position, you know, where earlier you asked about some of the conversation, like some of my friends who got sons just talked about the conversation they have to have with their sons, you know, that it's frightening that if you get pulled over, these are the things that you need to do. You know, we at the Jackie John Kersey Center have had a great relationship with the police department and the state troopers because some of them volunteer for our baseball teams and help, mm. you know, with our young men and uh, trying to uh, help them, you know, stay on the right path. It's so important when you hear about, you know, the police departments that are doing 
really well in communities is they have those ties and those relationships and those partnerships. So that's so great to hear. What are the other conversations like on a daily basis? I mean, Jackie, you're, you know, working with our youth in you're having these conversations. What is their outlook like? You know what the outlook, uh, a, a lot, a lot of our young people are more encouraged uh, from the standpoint that they feel that their voices are being heard, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and that, and especially when you deal with uh, young black people, because most of the time, if I raise my voice, then I'm labeled as I'm angry. Mm-hmm. I'm only trying to get my point across because I'm passionate about what I believe in. So now that I, uh, young people, they have a place that they can just unload, you know, because the first of the second week of June, we were, we did staff training, just wanted to talk to them about how they're feeling. Because a lot of us deal with trauma, don't even know we're dealing with trauma of all the different things that's just been going on. But then how are we able to find that balance, but then also be able to work with young people and and talk to them about one, there's so much that you've seen on television, but then you're also dealing with a coronavirus, you know? So it's like, how do you find the balance in listening to them? and, And the conversations are, you know... They're going to be okay, you know. <laughs> They're not asking you anything way in left field, but just, <laughs> you know, you know, you got some that would say, oh, I want to be a policeman, you know, or a policewoman, you know, and, mm-hmm. and which is good, you know, mm-hmm. because there there is a connection there, you know. But then also, uh, and then the other flip side of that is that, are they going to come kill me, you know, and... Mm. And you have those conversations, you know, how do you, you find the balance, you know, and what they're seeing on television and then what they're hearing. But then also when you got seven year olds and eight year olds and that's saying that, you know, in this case, black lives matter, you know, and getting people to understand that is not that I just want you to know that I matter, you know. Mm-hmm. Is that when I walk into a store that you don't cling to your purse or if mm-hmm. I walk by you, you don't, you know, you don't speak or you won't move. You expect for me to move. I mean, just different things that are a young guy walk in the store and, and, and you, you're, you're afraid of, them, you know? And so that's why I think it's so important that the more we can expose our young people to put them in all types of, uh, environments and situations, but also uh, keeping them aware of, of your surroundings and, and sometimes some of the things you just have to protect them against. Mm. I think it's remarkable that you put the time and energy that you have and the millions of dollars that you've raised to build this community and to give them this safe place to have these conversations and uh, and learn about these life skills. Slow clap for Jackie! <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, Jack, seriously. Oh, Gosh. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, think about all the work you do there. Oh, I my mean, God. You know, yeah. And I just, it's just because I don't, hmm. you know, I've been doing this for so long, you know, and it's just a part of 
uh, how I grew up and the things that I wanted to do, you know, and, and even when I would, you know, talk to different people about, uh, you know, the work and, but it's just been, it's fun though. It's a labor of love, you know, because you're back in the community and the young people identified with Jackie Joyner Kersey, you know, not just the building, you know, because some of these <laughs> kids weren't even born when I was competing, you know, but they knew that building before they knew me, you know. Right, right. <laughs> Cliff Bar and Company is the family and employee-owned maker of Cliff Bars, Cliff Kid, and Luna Bars. And I, for one, am currently obsessed with a caramel toffee with sea salt Cliff Bar. And good news, party people, they would like to extend an offer to all of you in our dope village. Yes, from now until July 28th. You can visit cliffbar.com slash laughter, C-L-I-F-B-A-R.com slash laughter, and use the code CLIFFLAUGH to get 20% off their entire portfolio of products. Go check it out. Laughter Permitted is brought to you by Ally. A lot of our listeners know already that Lynn and I are customers of Ally, and I love that Ally has these smart savings tools I need to analyze my spending and save for the things that matter most, like more donuts or perhaps getting the kids to college one day, which would be really nice. Being able to prioritize my financial goals and save automatically makes it easier to plan for that future. Learn how Ally can help you save more at ally.com slash savings. Ally, do it right. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Going back to your career, we said it in the intro and we'll, we'll say it again here. You were the Sports Illustrated nominated you as the greatest female athlete of the century, not of the month, not greatest female athlete of the year, right? You were greatest female athlete of the century. And what do you do? You go and give back. That is your first instinct. How many athletes do we see nowadays who are like, what can I gain out of this? What can I profit out of this? And you, Jackie, instead, right? I would have been sipping Mai Tais on the beach. You're starting a community center. <laughs> you know, I, I just think that what I was taught, you know, at a very young age to give back, and I didn't really know I was giving back, but to just give up my time, you know, give advice, and and that early uh, early 80s, late 80s, it wasn't the popular thing to do. But that was I wasn't doing it for... Uh, popularness I was just doing it because that's what I love doing and so and that's why even in the climate that we're in today we've been on this battle of really trying to make sure that uh, we put our young people in the best position possible so they can win and understand and having a, a real strong foundation of you know so they could you know come back and work at the JJK Center, take over what I'm doing, but keep it going. (laughs) (laughs) What goes through your mind when you do look back on your career? Four Olympics, six Olympic medals, three of them gold. What what goes through your mind? Woo, what goes through my mind? I'll be like, oh my gosh, I did all of that, you know, (laughs) beat it, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Uh, But no, for real, uh, I am so I'm so grateful because a coach like Nino Fanoa who saw the potential in me that I did not know I had. 
And, uh, you know, I talked about going to the Olympics and he always would say to me, you got to work hard, you know. And that's all I knew is to work hard, work hard, no matter what. And if I fell short, you know, continue to work hard. And so to look back on it, that, yes, if you set a goal and you work towards it, and it's, it's, not, it's not for everyone else to understand your journey and why you want to do the things you want to do. But as long as I'm in it, I'm in it because, you know, I, I want to be the best that I could be. And, and, and sometimes being the best didn't mean winning all the time. It was just knowing that I gave 100%, that I put myself in the best position possible where I could win. And maybe I fell short. You know, and and so I am grateful for a lot of the people, you know, having Coach Fanoid, being able to be married to my 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 coach who, you know, would push me. And sometimes, you know, I'm like, well, I'm married to you, you know. But anyway, <laughs> it just made for a great uh, winning team at times. <laughs> I love how, and Lynn will appreciate this as well, when I – you know, when I say, what do you think back on? And I, I cite medals, you cite Nino Fanoy and your coach that got you into it, right? It wasn't about you standing on top of a podium necessarily. It's being grateful for the person who helped you and the people who helped you get there. Again, Jackie, yeah. you think differently than a lot of others. No, because I think that, you know, because so many times, you know, you see an article and, and a lot of people especially like the sport of track and field, they just think it's so individualized, but it's not. It is a team. It's a team from having a, a age group coach, Coach Fanoy, but then also having, you know, my husband, you know, helping me to find the balance, taking some of that pressure off of me that I didn't even know I was putting on myself. Also having a Bob Forrester, who was my physical therapist, making sure that my body and everything is staying intact. Uh, is There's a lot of things that go on behind the scene that when it counts for celebrating, everybody just want to celebrate you. But for me, I celebrate all of them, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about running on the playground, you know, when someone said, you know, oh, you're going to be pregnant by the time you're 14. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? You know, <laughs> just trying to, you know, get you off course, but then having a, a, a coach to say, you got to work hard, you know, no mm-hmm. matter how, many medals I won. It was always, you got to work hard. You know what you, you got to continue to work hard. Right. Um, what goes through my mind? Cause I know you're interested in this. <laughs> when I think back yes. on your career, I know you've been dying <laughs> to ask this. Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> Is that oh. 20 years later, and <laughs> in, in, given the advancements we have in training and equipment and nutrition and everything else that the current athlete that we old timers did not have, by the way, right? But you still hold the world heptathlon record at 7,291 points 20 years later. Wow. Love it. No. <laughs> uh, yes. There we get it. Finally. <laughs> yeah, you know, because people people always ask, well, uh, you want your uh, record to be broken? You know, everybody, well, record's the name to be broken. I don't really want it to be broken. Yeah, hell but- no, I don't. <laughs> That's what I would say. Hell but no. But if somebody breaks it, you know, I'm like, okay. You know, and, you know, it's unfortunate that the Olympics are just delayed a year, you know, hopefully, because the multi-events are going to be real exciting. You know, there are three or four girls that are just great. I mean, you got 
Nifty from Belgium. Awesome. Former world, uh, world champion and Olympic champion. Then you got Katrina uh, from uh, Great Britain. It's going to be a battle with them. And we have a pretty good athlete, Kendall William and Erica Berdo. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Bagard, you know, so she's pretty, they're, you know, they, we got some good talent out Wait, there. are they like 7,291 points talented? <laughs> well, the two from, uh, the one from uh, Brussels and, well, from Belgium and uh, the UK, yes. They got mm. 7,000 point material, but then I don't know, you know, because most people, they'd be like, well, I don't know if I could break that, but you know what? I never went into a competition trying to break a world record. I went in there trying to give my best performance. Mm-hmm. And, and so that allowed me not to put limits on myself, even though I know I could do this, but I never said, oh, if I want this because my goal was to be 7,300 points and be able to long jump 25 feet, but I, I didn't get e- either one, you know, <laughs> but so I do think that uh, when it's a great competition, when you got two or three athletes that have the ability to score 7,000, if I was training, then I'd be looking at how do I score, what it's going to take to win, and then what it's going to, what it's going to take to secure that win, and then how do we go about training to make sure that, one, I stay healthy and reach those goals. Yeah. Hard work and trying your best. Yes, yes. And dealing with the ups and downs of what comes in athletics, you know, the emotional drain, the, the heartache you know, the, the surprises, then also how you find that balance that you don't get too hyped, that you allow your, uh, that nervous energy to escape instead of uh, going into the performance. Well, on that note, you overcame certain things in your career where you had hamstring injury, you dealt with severe asthma. What did you learn about yourself along the way? And, as someone who has admired you for a very long time, what do you think it takes to be a champion? You know what? I would say uh, what it would take to be a champion first is that, one, I think you have to be coachable. Uh, I think that you you have to also be uh, secure in yourself and also be be humble. You know, and that, and throughout my career, being able to understand, yes, people say coachable, that's easy. No, because sometimes you just don't want to listen. You know, your body's telling you it's aching, but you feel like you got to push through it. Then you find yourself getting injured. When your coach has said, take a day off. As an athlete, sometimes it's like, oh, no, I can't take a day off. Oh, you know, they're going to catch up to me if I take a day off. You know, so I had to learn to how to have mental toughness and understanding how to deal with distractions that happens along the way. And a distraction could be having a hamstring injury, you know, and utilize the physical therapist like I should instead of like getting upset with myself and crying instead of getting myself into rehab, making sure that I'm getting my body back into shape, how to deal with being, you know, I'm an asthmatic, not confusing, uh, my asthmatic condition with, if I can't run a mile, I'm like, oh, I'm out of shape. You know, so there's a lot of learning that goes into, uh, to me, in becoming a champion because that brings you back to the coachable 
aspect of it because your coach is there for a reason. And then the, the, the humbleness or being humble is because you can have so much success, then all of a sudden you don't feel like you need anyone, that you know everything mm-hmm. and that it shouldn't change. You know, your, your level of, uh, your level of what we might consider uh, successes you know, should still remain where they were when you first started because that gave you the motivation and the hunger to continue yeah. to be out there every day. And then that allowed you to continue to be that student and willing to learn and become better. That's interesting you say that, Jackie. We were just speaking with two water polo players who are two of the best on the planet, the goalkeeper, Ashley Johnson, and then Maggie Steffens, who um, is considered the best offensive water polo player on the planet. And Maggie said the same thing. Like the day I start thinking that I have done everything in my sport and I'm all that is the day I leave the sport. Right. Because then I'm done. I'm not growing. I'm not learning. Right. (laughs) That humbleness point. Right. Yes. Um, I lack a little bit of humility when it comes to our next segment. Uh, Lynn's game. There's no humbleness. Right. I am not coachable. Okay. <laughs> so Jackie, that means I'm coming for you, sister. Let's go. If there's anything we've learned on this podcast, it's that Julie might be a little competitive and not always the best sport. Okay. <laughs> so we have my donut tweaker ready to go. Yeah. Jackie, we gave you a heads up that you'll need a noisemaker. You've got, looks like right. a bell. Yes. <laughs> that is the main rule to this trivia game, five-question trivia game, is that you have to make a noise. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I haven't heard the bell yet. Let's hear it, Jackie. Oh. Wait, it's, it's... Oh, okay, good. There I was go. like, That's... what is that? Is it that a cowbell? It at first. <laughs> like, what's happening? <laughs> it's a dead bell. <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh. So five question trivia game. All of these are multiple choice. You do have to, we used to say squeak in with an answer. You will have to ring in or you're you're squeaking in, Julie, with your your donut. Okay, the theme of today's game is you both were there. (laughs) You both were at the 1996 Olympics. Oh, right on. We were. (laughs) I was watching Jackie at that Olympics, full disclosure. We would play our games and then we would just do anything to lay in the horizontal position and stay off our legs. And so we would just be screaming at the TV, go Jackie, Jackie, go. We were obsessed. I think the whole country was obsessed with yeah. cheering Little on Jackie. Did I know Jackie would become a friend. Yeah. She's my friend. All of these are related to the 1996 Olympics. Here we go. Question one. Women's soccer made its debut at the 1996 Games. Julie, I think you have a gold medal as a result of that. Yes, ma'am. One of, one of your two. Get, get to the question then. Which of these <laughs> sports, I'm getting there, also debuted at those games? Also debuted. Jackie. Oh, she was going to give multiple choices. Softball. Correct! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> she got it without the multiple choice. <laughs> Jackie! Hey, Jake! Hey! 1-0. There's a reason why she's the greatest of all time, ladies oh, no. and gentlemen. Question two. 
Okay. What was the motto? The motto of the 96 games? Was it A, the Olympic games of the decade, B, the culmination of the century, or C, the celebration of the century? <gasps> Jackie. Oh, I think it's the celebration of the century because yes. <laughs> it should have been Athens anyway. But anyway. <laughs> it was. C is correct. Oh, dang it. <laughs> okay. Dang it. I got to get this one. I'm coming in. I'm coming in hot. Okay. Number three, this woman was the first U.S. basketball player to compete in four Olympics. Was it A, Dawn Staley, oh, gosh. B, Teresa Edwards, or C? Oh, look at you. You're not even waiting. T, Teresa, and the- Correct. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's my buddy. I didn't even squeak in once. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, that has never happened. See what happens when you start talking trash before it even starts? Never good, kids. Don't do it. Don't talk trash. I... Jackie, I have never played a game where I haven't even squeaked. No. I did not even squeak. All right, Jack, most pressing questions. Are you ready? Yes. Who were you named after, Jackie Joyner Kersey? Jacqueline. Kenny Onassis. Oh, yes. Really? Yes, my grandmother, when I was born, wrote on the back of my baby picture, she'd be the first lady of something. And. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, okay. Track and field, I guess, at that time. No. You're the first lady of everything, not just dragon pants. Yes, thank you. But Agreed. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Did you? Yeah. Ever, did you ever? Um, did you ever get to meet Jacqueline? No, I did not. I no. That would have been amazing. Yes. Okay, you ran track at UCLA, but you actually went there on a basketball scholarship. Please explain yourself. Yes. So UCLA was recruiting me and I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to play basketball because I thought I was too short, you know, (laughs) and didn't realize, you know, all this jumping ability and my speed. And so uh, when they, because I I, I was just, I just wanted to run and I wanted to try to make the Olympic team, you know, and so they were like, no, we give you a basketball scholarship and try it. And then I was a four-year starter and, you know, it was just really a great move for me because it taught you so much because I was, uh, you know, played in high school and, but I just didn't know if I was going to, you know, because playing against the McGee twins, Cheryl Miller, you know, Cynthia Cooper, and I mean, they just had a dynasty, you know? While we were at UCLA and at USC, you know, but anyway, yeah. Wait, so you, you actually, um, had just started playing in high school. You played before you went to college. 
Because you said right, yes, I pay. I was recruited. So they, UCLA, I was recruited by uh, Tennessee, and but I always knew I wanted to run track. Mm. And so when I went on my uh, recruiting trip, uh, you know, visit, that's when it's like because we in basketball, you know, in high school, you know. I'm not trying to brag. That's a pretty good standout in basketball, too. You know? Yeah, well, let's so, just say it. All-American yes. basketball player. Thanks very much, Jackie. So you UCLA, won't say it. I mean, UCLA, was re- the coach that was recruiting me for basketball did not know. They didn't know I did track. And at that time, huh. they had the women's sports magazine. And I had just won the National Junior Olympics in the long jump, and I was on the cover. And so... <laughs> <laughs> the lady, they were talking about, and they said, this is the same person? And that's, you know, because <laughs> they were recruiting me. So they went to the track team and found out, yeah, they were, were recruiting me as well. But I wanted to, uh, so I played Billy Moore, you know, as my coach, and Kali Masahara, who had come to East St. Louis. And, you know, and they were like, oh, my gosh, you come here. They're, they're, you, they're a whole starting five. No, <laughs> right. I mean, we had a lot of great talent. Yes, in high school. Dang, yeah. dang. Yeah. <laughs> all American in basketball as well. Yeah. All right, our last segment, Jackie, is high, low cheer. We do it around the dinner table at, in my house with my kids. They're high of the day, they're low of the day, and someone they cheer for. But for you, Jackie, it is going to be the high of your career, the low of your career, and the cheer is for someone you are grateful for. Okay. So the high of my career, mm, yeah, standing on top of the podium, you, you can't take that away. That's right. I would say probably the low of my career was being uh, pulled out of the heptathlon in the 96 Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. And even though it was for my benefit, but I wasn't able to finish the heptathlon, mm-hmm. even though I ended up winning a bronze medal, but. That was a low for me, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it it just hurt, you know. You're on American soil, and I. So, I would say that someone that I am grateful for would be. Um, I'm always grateful for my parents, but Coach Nino Fanoa, who said to me at a, a, when I was a senior, he had taught me all he could teach me, and it was time for me to go and learn from someone else. Yeah. Well, I know who I'm grateful for. It's you, Jackie. Thanks for just the inspiration you have provided so many of us as female athletes and so many women in this country. And then just the example you continue to set on a daily basis, which I know is not easy, but it is making a difference in so many people's lives. And I just hope there will be so many more who follow your path of giving back to their communities like you have. Thank you. Love you, lady. Love you. JJK. I do love her so much. And here's something people don't know about Jackie. When I text Jackie, and this this will be my takeaway. When I text Jackie and I ask her to do an interview or, for example, for this podcast, she was in the middle of a staff meeting And she said, I got you. Mm. This is what she always replies. It's what I love about her. I'm in the middle of a staff meeting, but she always ends it with, I got you. Oh, I want to make that a (laughs) t-shirt. 
I want to make it a coffee mug. I'm going to tattoo it on my forehead. It's so good. Um, because she's basically saying, I got your back. I got you, sister. You're good. I can do this and I'll get back to you. And it's what I find most endearing about her. It's what I love when you see this recurring theme with all these women we interview on this podcast is they are constantly willing to lift others up. I love it. Thank you, Jackie. I got you, sister. Lynn, what's your takeaway? I have always admired Jackie Joyner-Kersey. I watched her compete in the Olympics as a kid, and she's just the ultimate athlete. I can say I am now even more in awe of her based on her commitment to giving back and what she's doing in the community that she grew up in. And it's another thing for me to admire about her and be inspired by. She's a gem. All right, questions permitted. This question comes from at straight out of HP from a gentleman named (laughs) Scott Davis. He wrote more of a request. How about one time for trivia? You get to be a contestant and Julie Foudy asks the questions. (laughs) There was a follow up on that thread from at Turkey Runner 712. She said, can Julie Foudy stand not being part of the competition? (laughs) Maybe if she doesn't even squeak in, she shouldn't be part of the competition. That should be the punishment for not even getting a squeak in. That you can't even compete the next time? Yeah. Yeah, you lose your right to compete in the next game. Uh, What happened? I don't know, honestly. Well, one, what was the first question? Not that we need to take this play by play, but I kind of want to. I want to reassess what happened to me in this game because I cannot let that happen again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replay it and go through it. This is what you do. The takeaways of the experience. Wait, wait. Let me find it. Embarrassment. I know the second. So embarrassed. Um, so embarrassed. No, don't be embarrassed. This is where you learn. Oh, softball. Softball. I was waiting. I, w- I was like, wait, softball I know is one. But I felt like there were a couple new sports that year in 96. No, it was just softball. So it was waiting no, there for your were, choice. There were. Because I asked which of these sports also debuted at the game. So I was going to give you two that did not debut at that game and just Uh, one that did. The one where I couldn't believe you didn't even attempt was number two. What was the motto of the 96 games? I was waiting. I I, I was waiting for you to squeak. I know. Well, I knew that it wasn't B. And then when you said C, she got in before me. Yeah. I was just too hesitant. I was too Mm. hesitant. I did agree it was C. Yeah. You agreed that it was the right answer? Yeah. I just didn't get my squeak in. I got a bad squeaker. Going back to the whoopee cushion. Going back to the whoopee cushion. This, by the way, this close has really gotten off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yes. So yes, I I agree with that. Uh, Straight out of HP. You are correct. No, I think that it's... I respect the fact that you get into it. This is what... This is part of you maybe you sometimes get into it a little too much (laughs) no i think it's fun could you get into it like that or do you think that we're crazy i think i'd get into it as well you would yeah you would right you got that squeaky toy in your hand you're gonna go for it you're gonna get into it Mm -hmm. yes yes the one thing is when you win you really let the other person know that you won (laughs) 
That would be the only part where I think you could bring it down a notch. Otherwise, I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, no dancing? No no twirling? It's a little oh, bit of gloating that get, happens. I get really excited. You do. I should... I need to be more humble. I know. I need to tone it down. All right. Thank you for spending time with us again. We so love our dope village. Be sure to reach out to us on social media. Hashtag it laughter permitted if you would. And while you're at it, if you would rate us, subscribe to us and leave a comment for us on our Apple podcast page. We will send you a big virtual high five, maybe even a donut. Thank you to our sponsors, Ally Bank and Cliff Bar and Company, for the support of this podcast and our community of incredible listeners. A thank you, of course, to Kate Diaz, a Julie Fatty Sports Leadership Academy alum, for our theme music, which she wrote and composed. And as always, kids, remember, sing it with us. Laughter permitted. I didn't even squeak in once. 30 for 30 podcast in association with ESPNW presents Heavy Metals Inside the Caroli Gymnastics Empire, a multi-part podcast series that takes a sweeping look at the influence of legendary USA Gymnastics coaches Bella and Marta Caroli and the hidden culture of fear and intimidation at their Caroli Ranch. Exposed to the world during the 2016 Larry Nasser scandal, the podcast takes a hard look at what can happen when athletes aren't protected. 30 for 30 podcasts and ESPNW's Heavy Metals Inside the Caroli Gymnastics Empire launches July 14th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Soccer is back on ESPN+. Plus. Yes, indeed. Serie A, FA Cup, MLS, and much more. Plus... Get original series, exclusive studio shows, and the complete 30 for 30 library. Stream soccer from the best leagues and tournaments around the world, all in HD, all on your favorite devices. The beautiful game lives on ESPN+. Sign up today at ESPNplus.com or in the ESPN app.